Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network powered by Ortho Carolina. Check out some of our network mates. It is what it is. The Roaring Riot podcast, Not What You Think, and the Carolina Line. For more great talk about your favorite team, follow the Riot Network on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Subscribe, rate, love us wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Josh Klein, managing editor for the Riot Report, co-host of It Is What It Is, has been in the lab for the past 23 hours working up Cam Newton takes and is here to spew them all. I got them. Do you want 35 straight minutes of them or should we get the <laughs> get the guest introduced and should we go ahead and go? Like, I'm ready. I got all kinds of stuff. Do we want to talk about, have we seen Cam Newton throw his last pass in a, in a Carolina Panthers uniform? Stuff like that. Oh, too soon. I'm ready to talk about it. Too soon. Too soon. Calm down. We got to introduce everybody else. Colin Hogan, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report. See, you got me like all flustered because I thought I, we wouldn't be able to stop you. I feel like you, you. mispronunciated his name. Exactly. You got me flustered with I've been all called of that. worse. Uh, Let's that try is this true. one more time. Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, hoping MJ sells those pesky last 2% and gives up control of the Hornets. That's a massive overpay to get the minority owner perks if that's all they're doing. Did they get to 49%? I honestly didn't follow. I just saw that he was selling a little bit of the team. Was it 49%? I don't, I'm don't. i not sure what, the, what they ended up at. I thought it was supposed to be a healthy chunk, but it seemed like there was some conflicting Did reports. Did Nelly have to sell his shares? Because I think that's pretty important. I think Nelly probably lost them in a card game somewhere along the way or something like that. <laughs> to TLC yeah. on yeah. tour? <laughs> Maybe he threw them out to the crowd at, you know, at a concert or something. That's just, fair. They threw it back the, the at keys, him. Just, that's, all, that's, that's ownership. It's just keys to the, the spec. <laughs> Oh my, too soon for Hornets hot takes as yeah, well, would, right? Yeah. Let's introduce our guest on the one-day contract this week, Mike Rucker, nine-year NFL veteran, third most sacks in Panthers franchise history, ambassador for the NFL, and probably the only person in Charlotte to care about Nebraska sports as much as I do, at least in this room. That's what I'm talking about. Go Big Red. There. See, we need more of that on this show. That's what the show's too much missing. blue this way. We just need a little red in your life. <laughs> Thank I'm you. not saying things aren't going well in Carolina, but we're leaning on Nebraska football to pick <laughs> us up here at the start of the show. You're all welcome. We that, have a bandwagon that is open and ready and taking everybody come aboard. I, I don't even have a good comeback because... Uh, Are you okay? You the, tar, the Tar Heels have one second still on the clock up there and wait for us. They're still waiting for the refs to come back onto the field, no, the, wave the clock, it back on. The clock keeps running in college after a first They down. wave their arms. They went like this, and then they just sprinted off the field. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Replay makes the game better. It's called karma because 10 years ago, he got a second. Not for the, the Tar Heels, he didn't. Oh, he did I, for the Longhorns, and I am still bitter about it. I had a lot of angry flashbacks about all of that, but, you know, whatever. Sorry. Sorry, Mac. Sorry, gross. Heels. You all right? Mike, was was <laughs> Nebraska good when, when you were on the team? I guess we, uh, that's a loaded question, right, if you were actually we, on the team? We, we, were, we were okay. Um, I think I was there five years, and um, we had three winning seasons. We had um, three national championships. That's, that seems pretty good. That's pretty good. It was all right. Yeah. We missed four. I also went to school for five years, but uh, I did not um, win any national championships. Well, you know, you know, you're supposed to say, I did not win three national yeah. championships. <laughs> well, well the, the thing is, though, that, that one in 96, though, we did lose to Mac Brown. Mm. Or Mac Brown, Texas, Ricky Williams, fourth and one. 
that still hangs on with I me. I feel like we're probably going to play Return of the Mac as our outro music. <laughs> which is just, that's going to happen for sure. More Tar Heel talk in football season is yikes. Lord, Again, Lord. not saying things aren't going well here in Carolina, but now we're leaning on the Tar Heels. <laughs> <laughs> what are things not going well here in Carolina? Is it week two? My favorite quote from last week was when Greg Olson was like, guys, we are five days into the season. It's September 12th. Like, it's not, let's not go putting us in the graveyard quite yet. But also, now we're, what, five days later, and we're ready to put everybody in the graveyard. Hey, I'm not. Okay. All right. Positive attitude. Come on. I it like is, that. It is positive spin Wednesday. What? Yes. Nice. This is a That's new a thing. thing. This is a new thing. I, I feel like it makes everybody happier. It makes you better. You just feel better. Everybody take a deep breath. Exhale. Oh, oh that was you do a lot of yoga. That was I great. I do. That was okay. a good good ohm. Now before we get to our Panthers talk, we start the show with Nikki's super important question. So I went to Atlanta this weekend, and I finally got to see the stadium, which is one of the most impressive things that I have ever seen. I'm I'm just in awe of that. So my question for you all are those moments when you've been in a stadium or ballpark, whatever, whatever sports facility, and you were just kind of like had that moment where you were in awe. And it doesn't have to be something this year where it's state of the art. This could have been years ago. Maybe you were a kid. Maybe you were a player in college. Maybe, you know, whatever. Did well, you stop listening to me, Josh? You're no, like on your phone. Okay. I, I know that mine's Thanks not Thanks for calling be... me out. You know, nobody can see us, right? So <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just out. I was off mic. So I was like, oh, I can have a second to myself. My bad. No. <laughs> Love you. But Nina. thank you for doing that. Keeping it real. I, I, yeah. I know I don't need to follow Ruck on this answer because I mean, he's going to have a good one. And I have a pretty mediocre one. So I'll, I'll start off. Uh, 1990. Uh, my family and I. Uh, like I moved, uh, you know, at the time. <laughs> yeah. My family and I, we You moved. decided to yeah. take a new I was job. Like, hey, mom and dad, I've made some choices. Uh, we were living in Cincinnati. My dad took me to opening day um, at, at um, uh, Riverfront Stadium, Ooh, nice. which which is an awful stadium that was built in the 70s, uh, awful AstroTurf that no one would want to play on. Um, but it was the first time I'd ever seen a field that green, that big. And so that, to me, will always be my number one. Rock. That's good. Um, you don't have to I, try and I, prop me up. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to top that one. We'll to oh, yeah, Riverfront Stadium. You know? Um, you know, Minnesota, you know, we went to the Super Bowl there. I uh, was at, uh, not, you know, it was in Atlanta, but the year before. And they did a really, really nice job in, in Minnesota. And I think the neat thing about the NFL and what they do is like, the guy that's the top dog, the next team that builds a stadium, they try to take it one step more. Always. So I think that's why Atlanta, you felt, was really nice. And I felt like Minnesota was really nice, and they were able to learn from them. So uh, Minnesota did a really nice job with their with their stadium. Um, I went to a Houston Astros game, and their stadium is ridiculous, I would call it. Like they so I don't know if you're familiar, but they have like the alleyway out in left field that literally like it goes uphill a little bit near the wall and it like creaks out at a at a at an angle as opposed to like a rounded fence like every other baseball stadium in the world. They also have a bar that's directly outside of like the home right in the home run porch in left field. So you can just you're like out there having drinks and while we we're out there having drinks, somebody hit an 
inside the park home run where the ball got lost in the corner, like right in front of us. And it was just very exciting. And I got to cross an inside the park home run off my bucket list, which is pretty exciting. So I know that's not football. Um, it didn't have to be football. Okay, good. Thank you. All right. That's great. Anything sports. I love it. I'd say like before Atlanta. Nebraska Stadium. Sorry, I can't. <laughs> I, I I do cry at every Nebraska home game that I attend because I, I just I get overwhelmed and I'm just I love it. But before Atlanta, it was definitely Cowboy Stadium because I think for the first hour I was there, I didn't speak to anybody else. I just walked around kind of with my mouth open like, wow. That's just an incredible place. And I think they kind of set the tone about, like, hey, let's take these stadiums to the next level. Yeah, I, I mean, love it. For for all that Jerry gets ripped on for the football stuff, there's no doubt from a business standpoint that he that they set the bar yeah. um, with their facilities and everything uh, down there in Dallas. Well, the TV is supposed to be like spectacular. I haven't been to Dallas yet, but yeah, the the in Atlanta in Mercedes Benz Stadium, like the rounded TV is un, like every time you're kind of just like drawn to your eyes are drawn to it. You end up not watching the game because you're just kind of like, what's going? Oh, Samuel L. Jackson's up there again. Like it's. There, it's it's exciting, and they just keep adding more and more cool new things that you're like, well, that can't, that doesn't seem like it could be physically possible. Yeah. So that in LA, the new one is going to be unbel- ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, that's on the bucket list. Yeah, yeah. And then the new one in Charlotte that's coming in like three or four years is going to. Oh, I'm sorry, Rock Hill, <laughs> South Jersey. Yeah, Fort Mill, <laughs> Fort Mill, uh, Rock Hill. I feel like you were going to say something. I was just going to ask what about the, the, you know, you went to this, uh, to the Atlanta stadium. What about it? Did you like, what was it? Was it just bigger? Was it just everything's better, brighter? It was like from the moment you walked in, they have the, the self ticket scanners, first of all, that you do all that. And then you come in and all around that once you're in, but you're still outside the stadium, just to see even just how massive it was from the outside. And when you walk in and they've got that roof open, and it was just incredible. But here's the thing that I thought was so weird, and I didn't realize this. There was a soccer game the night before. The soccer games, they, like, sell out these soccer games in that place, which is oh, yeah. insane mm-hmm. to me. And It's a soccer city. It's crazy because then – no, I've been thing. to a soccer it's game a soccer there. It's insane. City. It was packed. Thing. But I've also the, been to a Falcons game where it was – Less than packed. That's right. exactly yeah. what I was going to say. So they saw these. That's why games. you pump in the crowd noise. This is. <laughs> it was insane because it was like an Eagles home game almost. It was at least fifty fifty. There were empty seats everywhere, and I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that you have this amazing stadium here. I would be there just to eat dollar fifty hot dogs because mm. they're a dollar fifty. Did you see the closed Chick Fil A? I did not. I was going to go pay my respects, but I wasn't really sure where it was. So I ate two hot dogs instead and nachos. Nice. Well, they're cheaper, so you got to take advantage of more. I mean, right? It's science. Do you guys think that attendance is overall going down in the NFL, or is it just in Atlanta? No, I don't have stats on that, but I think the the game is is as strong as it's been. I mean, I don't know who said this, but – when you look at the NFL games, what's going on in week one and week two can bite you or help you come the last week in December. And we've been beneficiaries of on both sides here with the Carolina Panthers. So it's not like you have a seven-game series, you know, three at home, four away, and stuff like that. What you're doing right now matters. And I think that when you go to a game – and, you know, the average win is, what, something like three points or something like that? Yeah. I mean, look at the Panthers, you know, Thursday night against the Tampa Bay. We did not come out on the right end, but 
if you stay in your seat, the game went down to the last seconds. Sure. That's that's hard to find. And you're playing hard from the beginning to the end. It's not like, hey, we're going to turn on the fourth quarter. So I think the attendance is there um, just because of, of the sport and the parity. Like this this month or this year could be this team. Next year could be your team. You yeah. have a chance. I think the popularity is there for sure. I think people are into football. Like it's at an all-time high, and I think it's still – cresting like i don't think it's i don't think i think there's still room for football to grow mm-hmm. in a worldwide sense i think the nfl is trying their best to grow it in germany and china and and all these other places but i think that like popularity wise i think it is but i, I wonder if like the hdness of tv and like the fact that i can watch games on my phone and fantasy football and all that stuff is kind of like removing the excitement of being in the stands themselves well i think that what you just said is the reason why you have the roof and the big tv and the tickers and and the cheap hot dogs all that to keep guys so yeah obviously there is pressure there when you can go get you a nice big 60 inch tv at the store um but at the end of the day you gotta win you mm-hmm. gotta win like people want winners and so if you're winning you're gonna you're gonna have your fair share of people in the seats if you're struggling then it's going to be a different story. It's true. I mean, look at the Cleveland Browns. Like, I mean, they haven't won, but they got people in the seats, right? You know, and, yeah. and there's some excitement there for whatever reason that might be. So, but ultimately, you have to win. Yeah, I think, Ruck, you're exactly right. Can I call you Ruck? Is yeah, that okay? Yeah, so that's, I just, that's I just kind of slid that just slid right in. Right we just, you know, we just, we just grew up since 94. <laughs> call me Ruck. <laughs> um, that, that you're right, that the spectacle now is part of what they're trying to use to offset you know, the, the HDTV. The problem then becomes they, they pass that on to the season ticket holders and things like that. So now all of a sudden you don't have the, the, the mom and dad, the families buying tickets. You have the corporate entities buying tickets. Yep. And then all of a sudden you, you got you to gotta chase somebody down. Hey, anybody want to go see this two and five team? So the, the tickets yeah. end up sitting in, in a desk. I think in a lot of cases. I agree with you. I think that if when you lose a little bit of that fan base having the tickets where it's, you know, it is they maybe not priced out is not the right word for it, but it's it is it's sold to either corporations or you sell blocks of eight, not necessarily to Panthers diehard fans and that they can't or any other team's diehard fans. And so they say to themselves, well, I have season tickets and I can sell my Cowboys tickets for three times the price, which will give me free games if I want to go see the Texans and the other guys and the Jags. i, I got to sell my tickets to the Cowboys to make my money back. I mean, that's what we do for Hornets right. season tickets for sure. So it's like if you're going to do that, then you end up with 50-50 Eagles versus Falcons. You guys don't show up. I mean, it's the whole thing that the Roaring Ride is all about is trying to get people to show up and be fans even when your team is not necessarily good. But you're right. If you're winning – a 14 and 0 team sells yeah. a lot more tickets than an 0 and 14. Absolutely. Unless you're the Bills because I mean, you could be like 0 and 14 at that point and they still somehow think they're going to go to the Super well, Bowl. Well, it's because they have working bathrooms <laughs> at the stadium, so that's that's reason enough to come, I think. <laughs> they don't have working bathrooms here? <laughs> no, no, I just there's not a whole lot to do in Buffalo. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> Be sure to catch this week's edition of the Carolina Line as we talk about wrap-up after the Bucks game and looking forward 
to the Cardinals. What will the Panthers have in store for them as they head out there? And can they get their first win of the season? I definitely learned a lot, especially you've heard of needle in a haystack. What about sewing needle in a football pileup? Mm. Things you would never know. Got to hear it to understand that full story. Yeah, we're talking about a whole bunch of things. Kyler Murray, this offense we're going to be facing. And my time on special teams, choking out all the little guys. Got to be the bad guy for once. Oh, my goodness. So we got it all set up. You're going to hear all the Panther details you want, plus some good stories about a sewing needle in a man's thigh and choking a man out. <laughs> so be sure to listen to That's this week. better week's. than that. You'll hear those and much more. Just dial in the Carolina line with Kelly Bardick, Al Wallace, and myself, Kevin Donnelly. All right, we're going to go right into Panthers talk and right into Cam Newton. Josh kind of set up, first of all, what happened at practice yesterday when he didn't show up. Sure. So um, so usually what happens is beat writers, reporters, will kind of stand outside of practice with our little rosters and our little pens, and we'll mark off uh, each player as they arrive. So that way you can tell if, like, Greg Olson is missing practice or somebody isn't there, especially on the first day of the week. I think it's super important, a little bit less so as you go, because you can say, okay, well, Bruce Irvin wasn't here yesterday. I'll check and see if he's not here. But for the most part, the first day of the week, you want to make sure. And I thought originally that I had just missed Cam, that I had arrived too late, that he had already gotten there. Usually come rolls in on an electric bike so uh, or you know comes in singing about coming around the mountain when she comes or whatever he does. You've seen Cam. He's, he's energetic. So um, I, we missed him. And then all of a sudden the horn blows for practice. They close the gates. And then a report comes out that he's not, a, that he's not there. Then – the big dogs, Pelissero, and I, I think it was Rapsheet or um, or Mortensen or did you guys see? Sorry, uh, did you guys see that Mortensen tweeted out like a rat symbol, um, perhaps about another NFL insider? Yeah. Did you guys? Am I breaking that no, news right no, here? I did not see this. Yeah, so apparently, um, I want to. <laughs> the the best part is I'm going to get the names wrong here. So either Rappaport or Schefter, um, the Jalen Ramsey news. That he had, uh, that he wanted to trade, Schefter I think tweeted it out, and then one minute later Rappaport tweeted it out, and then two minutes later Mortensen tweeted out the rat emoji. Then Micah Fitzpatrick gets traded, Schefter tweets it out, then a minute later Rappaport tweets it out, then Mort tweets out two rat emojis. So it's like everybody's kind of thinking that he is somehow anti Rappaport. I guess I don't know. It's That's like it. the Real Housewives series, but in sports. I'm That's what fi- it sounds I'm like. Figure this out. Okay, I'll, sorry, I'll keep talking. So anyway, so he's not there at practice. Uh, it comes out that he's reaggravated this foot, and to me, if he's still dealing with this five days after the fact, five days after the game, it's a big deal. Now, it doesn't mean that necessarily that like his season's over. That it that you know that it's that it's going to be something that we need to like scroll forward that far. But I don't know because these injuries are starting to pile up. And this was a guy, this was Superman that couldn't be hurt. Now he's had the shoulder shoulders. Fine. He gets into training camp. He's throwing the ball preseason gets on the field, hurts his foot immediately. And now the foot hurts, the shoulder hurts. Maybe it's happening to him a little bit mentally. So it's like, to me, I, I'm more worried that five days after the game, because if this was a Sunday game, we would already be to Friday by now 
the mini buy is supposed to be like when you're freshest or not freshest, but when you're supposed to come back and be like that extra day of work or extra day off. Like I feel great. I feel good. The fact that he hasn't been at practice for the past couple of days, it's alarming to me. It's really special that we were able to thread the needle to him not playing enough in the preseason to not be rusty, but also for him to play long enough to actually get hurt. That's that was really impressive. That's well, a beauty part of the NFL preseason. It's just it that is a, it. They got to do something with the NFL preseason, but we have bigger things to, to discuss now. Cam's foot, obviously the biggest one, but we thought coming into this year that we needed to see him come back and and that shoulder to look right. To this point, is we still haven't seen that. So it's like everything is just on pause. Like even if he comes back in two weeks, four weeks, whenever. Those questions just bubble right back up to the surface. Like there, there's no guarantee that that his shoulder is going to heal during this time, or yep. things are going to be better um, with this time off. I, 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 for the first time, like he, I've called him the alpha and the omega, the offense, you know, the Brahma Bull, all the things. It, he he doesn't even look like a he didn't look like a replacement level quarterback on some of these throws um, a week ago. It's just stunning to see. And while the foot may be listed as the reason. I just I feel like there's a lot more going on, um, particularly given Ron Rivera's comments and the way they've kind of handled some um, of the press conferences, and and just the way his demeanor towards Cam. If, if Cam was truly hurt, hurt, I don't think Rivera would be coming across as callous as he as he has been towards his quarterback. Ruck, did you have a uh, an injury that kind of plagued you through your whole career? Were you you were pretty healthy? I mean, you were relatively healthy, but was there like a nagging thing that that stayed with you? It it was my back. Yeah, it was after it actually. I remember when it when it started. Uh, it started in the off season after we went to the Super Bowl, and don't know why, but I was doing rehab. I'd had surgery on my knee and a scope, and started doing rehab. And I just remember one day it just started kind of aching, and I thought it would it would pass, but um, you know to this day it still still bothers me. That's really the reason why I retired. Um, played with it. It did affect my game. You know, yeah. it did affect my game as I started getting into the later years of my career. And uh, that, that was hard because now all of a sudden you're, you're trying to focus on your opponent, but then you're also focusing on your body. Like, you know, because you know certain movements and certain positions, it bugs you. And so, like, if I know, like, hey, it's third down and eight, I'm going to have to really just drop my hips on this thing, and it's going to bite. It's going to bite on me. And so all of a sudden you're starting to think about that, a little bit more than me thinking about, okay, this offensive tackle over there, let me slap these hands, let me club rip, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I talk about the game being 90% mental and 10% physical. I mean, guys in this league are all running four fours and bench pressing three, four, 500 pounds, but it's the mental game. The 90% is do I know where I'm going? Do I know my plays? Um, if someone pushes me, do I push them back and get that penalty? Those, I say, are mental plays. And – Injuries can play into that area. You know, you start messing with you, and you wonder, um, you know, Cam, he's been battling the shoulder. He's been battling little little knickknacks. You know, is mentally, can this be creeping into to the game, or is this just a pure physical thing that he just needs to get over? I think it's got to be. To me, it seems like a combination of both, right? I think that it's one of those things where – he had his shoulder fixed. He gets into he hurts his foot. It's obviously it's the, those two things work in in concert with each other, the foot and the shoulder. So it's like it just has to affect him 
from a we saw him last year in the vlog i know colin you're a big fan of vlogs huge um I think that we saw him say he loaded up some throws and they weren't there. And then he was like, for the first time in his entire life, his body betrayed him. He had never tried to do something and his body was like, nope, not happening. And I'm curious whether something like that happened either week one against the Rams or happened week two on Thursday against the Bucks, where he said, I need to, I'm going to throw it on a, on a, on a line to Greg Olson along the sidelines and all of a sudden it's five yards out of bounds and he's like what the hell is going on like that's that's not what I told the ball to do I think we get when we hear Cam talk at least as you know fans at the press conferences you um he he does what a lot of quarterbacks you know do a lot of players will do he does he'll do the quarterback speak and he'll kind of dodge it but over the last couple years he's had these really honest moments where he's talked about his body and it not being fun and it hurting and these like he was Last a guy, week he said yeah, it he was a guy that, that that thrived on the you know early in his career you know he, he, he those vicious collisions on, on a third or fourth down and he'd pop up and do his first down point like he seemed to thrive off of it and now we see years later that I, I think he really is struggling with the the cumulative effect of those things and that's why I I, I the shoulder the uh the the foot. I think, Rocky, the mental part of this, Cam doesn't look the same. Cam's belief doesn't look the same right now. And and I think he can recapture, but he's he's going to have to work on it. And, and we're assuming, so, so so what I'm about to say is we're assuming that, okay, the foot is maybe the topic right now. Okay, right. so we're assuming that. Talking to Jake DeLome, um, you know, a few weeks ago, and he was just talking about quarterback play. And he said for a quarterback – their feet, his feet, and the way he plants his feet, that's his rhythm, and that is his eyes. Meaning that there's a rhythm of getting the snap, if it's a three-step, boom, 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 plant, and then there's a shuffle, shuffle, and this is all playing out, and this is your eyes. This is how you're reading. This is this feeling that you're getting into. So I wonder if there is something going on with the feet, does that mess up the rhythm? Does that mess up the flow of this and when the way Jake describes it as it being your eyes and your inner clock. Um, could that mess up that inner clock? And that's something that um, something to watch if, if the foot thing becomes an issue this season. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where he has been doing this for a long time and, and knows it has an internal clock, has a, okay, I got to get rid of the I know – that's what we talked about when we talked about the new mechanics. I put quotes around new. When we talked about the new mechanics from earlier in the season, it's like one of those things where when when a guy, when Aaron Donald is bearing down on him, is he thinking about, well, my new mechanics, I got to do this, or is he thinking, I got to get this ball out of my hand, and he gets it out no matter how, however he's going to do it, whether it's off his lucky foot, his back foot, or whether it's off the correct footwork. It's one of those things where they're just going to – it's just going to revert back to the way that he's been doing it for 29 years of his life. And now he can't even do that. And so to me, and I think, and I wonder if before Andrew Luck happened, if we would think about this situation so direly, because to me, when you start to look at his demeanor after the game, you start to look at his, uh, the, the, just the way all this stuff is like building up, the fact that he looks like Thelma or Louise, which one is it that he looked like at the press conference? He looked uh, like he was ready to drive, his, drive yeah. off a cliff, yeah. right? 
I think it's Louise, but uh, <laughs> I think he's. I, I think it's like you start to wonder, like when is this? When does it add up too much? When does when does enough become enough? And I think it's because we haven't heard him or seen from him or seen him or heard from him. Because I think if you if he was out there at practice yelling and screaming for music and and you know doing a chest bump with Kyle Allen after he throws a touchdown, I think we all are like, well, he's going to be okay. Like it's going to be fine. The fact that we haven't seen him at all, he hasn't said anything, and it's all kind of mysterious. Right. It's like it's like Schrodinger's foot. <laughs> well, and you start, you know, we're obviously not saying this is an Andrew Luck situation because we just don't know. But with that happening, and then you've got Eli, that's probably, oh, I don't want to say that either, but played his, you know, last snap as a starter in, in New York. Well, you, you know? can't keep Danny Dimes on the bench. <laughs> I, I, I do think as we look at these quarterbacks that have already suffered injuries, Eli, Ben, um, or well, Eli didn't, Eli's just gotten benched. He's just gotten older, I guess. But, um, Ben Breeze, obviously. In terms of the guys that would come back, I put Cam's per- chance to come back higher than those other guys. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Absolutely, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm not. I, I don't think that the idea that like he's definitely. I don't. I don't. I don't want to float out there that like. Well, I think he's done for the year and he's done for his career. But I think it's not. It's a. On Wednesday, that was a zero percent chance, and I don't think we're at zero right now. Right. Yeah. And, right. and you said you said you know the, the dire situation with Andrew Luck. I think it, I think it a little bit differently because and and, and um, the money has gotten so big, particularly for these guys on these second contracts. That I mean, it's it's hard living. It's hard living. And the, there's a reason they call it the trenches. I'm, I'm telling I'm telling Mike Rucker this. I'm, not, I'm just informing him of this new term that they've come up with. The um, but that the, the money gives this freedom where it's like. I don't have to take these hits as long. Maybe eight years is enough. Right. Maybe nine years is enough, particularly if you're a guy in, in their position that's lucky enough to have been able to cash in and get that big payday, which isn't guaranteed for everybody, obviously. And, and I think, though, like with Andrew Luck, you you, know, you talk about, for, for a player perspective, when you talk about the brain, the spine, the back, those things that you can't really replace, those make you think of the game differently versus – hey, you know, I can have a hip replacement or my shoulder cleaned out or, you know, those things. It makes you like, okay, whatever. But when you're talking about the brain and the spine, the neck and all that stuff, it makes you think differently. So when you're looking at Peyton Manning and you're looking at Andrew Luck, I think that those guys are in a little bit of a different category than maybe a guy that's had, you know, a chronic shoulder or a chronic knee or something like that. You're the only person in this room that's had to make this decision to retire and hey josh and i just had to make it a lot earlier <laughs> yeah i broke my pinky <laughs> playing basketball in 2009 i haven't played guitar the same way since hey my be, g chords sound like no shit to be to be know. honest with you as a player the worst injuries are your little pinkies and your little toes yeah. don't don't I, make him I'm feel better you, about this you, it will shut rock. the biggest guy down <laughs> You know, what's wrong with him? Oh, his little pinky toe. Yes. No, or a little turf Greatness toe. Turf toe will shut I you mean, down. We're two peas in a pod. <laughs> you brought up that your back was part of the decision to retire. I mean, I know it's not a decision where you just wake up one morning and you say, I'm, I'm retiring. Give us kind of a little bit of perspective making that decision. And, you know, like I said, you don't just get up and decide to retire. I know you kind of battle with yourself and yeah. when it is time. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So, you know, I love the game of football. I love it. 
but I was never in love with it. And, and I feel like there's a difference. I gave it everything I had. I was a professional. When I showed up, I loved what I did. And I had goals. And I accomplished all my goals but three. Okay? And that was to um, play 10 years, play nine. The other one was to play with my brother. I missed him by three months. And the other one was to win a Super Bowl, and I missed it by three points. So I felt complete once we were able to check those boxes. The problem was I was thinking about retirement going into the uh, 06 season uh, after that season, and I tore my ACL in December of 06. And I just remember laying on my back. We were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. We were fighting to try to you know get into the playoffs. And I just remember laying on my back, and I just was like, Lord, just I don't want this to go out like this. I don't want to walk off this game that I love playing like this. That's not the ending I want. And I remember going into the locker room and I was on the table and I was just crying. And I was like a little baby. I was just crying because I knew it was the ACL. I could just tell by the body language. And I knew how hard that was to come back from ACL, especially at that age and, and just, you know, everything that was going into it. And I remember, you know, Mr. Richardson, the owner, came in and he checked on me. And that lasted about the, till the next morning. And then that, that inside, I call it the dog inside, jumped out and said, let's go attack this injury like it's that offensive tackle across from you. And let's, let's go back and let's, let's, get, let's, let's walk off the field. And that's, what, that's the way we approached it. It was probably some of my best physical rehab that I've ever done. I was back running in six months, and we were able to get back on the field, and we were able to play that 2000 season out. Um, but it was hard. It was hard to come to that decision. Um, but I was happy with the decision. I knew it was the right decision. And, um, you know, just the memories and, and what the game has afforded myself, not only financially, but but the joy of the people that I've met, the fans that I've met, the organization that I love. And being able to bring people into my life, coming to the games, um, and seeing their face, you know, uh, if we're playing Monday night, and just to see them in the crowd and their support, there's not that's priceless to me. Do you still have the first seven hundred thousand dollar watch that you wore on the field? <laughs> I don't. That's a new, this is a new age. <laughs> first, just the investment in a watch like that is one thing. I'm just thinking if he gets into a fumble scrum. And yeah. I don't have a real chance at the football. I may be going for the watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you I mean, whatever. Know. There's a whole lot going on down there in that pile. Down <laughs> yeah. There. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the one of the least intrusive things I could actually yeah. be going for. In yeah. that <laughs> exactly. Pile. I just pictured Odell jumping up and saying someone stole my watch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It'd be watch gate. <laughs> They're like Brown's ball. And he's like, I'm not, someone has my watch. I don't care about the ball. I want my watch. He's, he's checking the rest. The rest. <laughs> the rest I mean, this. Sounds like a Snickers commercial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really, really does. When you kind of look at, we're talking about like the wear and tear on cam through the years and, you know, social media, Twitter, everyone's pointing a finger because you want to point a finger and you want to blame someone in all this. I mean, can you blame someone? You know, some people are like, well, the offensive line has failed him or, um, you know, management and ownerships failed him. Just everything. Or is this just a, you know, part of playing the game? I think it's the game. I think it's the game. I mean, you know, Tom Brady's been hurt. I mean, you just saw Drew Brees, you know, Aaron Donald comes through and not a, you know, it doesn't look like a big deal, but all of a sudden, you know, he's looking at surgery and being out for a period of time. So it's just the game. 
You know, it, stuff happens. Sometimes it happens to guys earlier in their career. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't happen to you know to guys that have never had any major injuries. When I look at Pap, I mean, he didn't have any major injuries. You know, and he played. You know, how many years he played? So it's just the game, and you just got to manage it. Um, and you cannot put um, this 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 wand or anything like that. You've seen guys that they no one's touched them and they've gotten hurt. Right. It's just the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you. There is a rush to blame. Uh, so there, on the on the internet, there are two types of people. There's people that absolutely love Cam, and there's people that absolutely hate Cam. There's nobody. I don't feel like there's a lot of people that are like, well, he's fine. I, Everyone like, else is just sitting it out because they know what happens if you <laughs> have yeah, an opinion you jump in, in between the two. Yeah. yeah. Did so, you read the comments on his vlog? Not to interrupt you. Uh, I did not. So. Some people I noticed were kind of screenshotting the comments and I thought it was going to be a screenshot like, oh, look at all these other haters out there outside of Carolina. Like people outside of Carolina that aren't even fans of the Panthers were the ones talking about the respect they have for him and what he's done for football and all that. And it kind of I was in the stadium Thursday and to be in the stadium and after that first drive here, the fans booing. It was kind of – it was hard for me. I had a really hard time with that. I had a really hard time with that game Thursday. So, I don't know, to see it, – it made me feel good well, to see other people kind of recognize what Cam Newton means to Carolina football. Do you think booing is, is out of bounds? Is that like to your, to your home team? Out of boons. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sit back. <laughs> I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, he, he's, he's done more as a quarterback than anybody that's ever been here before. But I, that – the idea that I think that's the one thing the fan has. And, Rock, you know, Rock just talked about the mindset that he had to have to come back from that, from that injury and that, that mental piece again. And you bring up social media. People want to show, hey, I'm doing great, I'm doing great. When you're the guy that's got to show up every morning at 7 a.m. to get treatment, you're not, there's not a whole lot of great pictures that you get to send out. And um, it's like the mindset that, that he has to have – you know, to work back all those things that, that that are tough. But when you when it comes down to the to the fans, you have to put out a you have to be a winner. You have to be a professional product. You are getting paid handsomely to perform. And if you can't complete a pass, and especially because they all have chances to be honest with us, and I understand why they aren't. But they have look. If my shoulder's not right, guys. I understand why they don't say it. But they do have. He does have the opportunity to to. to you know, kind of soften that blow. But if it's like, no, we're we're gung ho, we're ready to go, we're ready to start the season, and then your quarterback that you believe is the, the beginning and the end of your offense can't connect on seventeen yard, twenty yard passes, or when he does, he throws it like a like a frisbee. There's there's just more going on. I think the fans have. I I don't think the fans should ever not. That, let me not say they should never. You know, but <laughs> I I think that the booing is 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 in the fan arsenal for a reason. I think though. What struck me with the booing in the stadium was like there was a moment when CMC went and got up kind of not in a fan's face, but because it was almost like with the booing was coming personal attacks against Cam and it's immediately like, well, you hear the comments from maybe the irrational person that's had too many drinks that day and they are immediately like, he's always been terrible, he's always been inaccurate, and those are the things that start coming out. So I think when I talk about the booing and that, like I understand frustration from fans and whatnot, and it's more than just Cam, it's play calling, it's all of it. But at the same time, when you hear then the comments around it. 
but I also think you see it in the offense. I mean, the, the, the body language of the offense at times that the, the they they don't look in sync. They don't look like they they believe they're going to convert those third downs. And I and I know I'm doing the, the body language doctor from my from my seat in Belmont, but um, they don't seem still, to. They, you're still watching. Yeah, I mean they they they, they just don't seem to have. Like, it used to be Cam, you would get up early with Cam, and they you know, they would run that first, they get that first drive. Like that, when they were clicking, when him and Shula, who we're not supposed to give any credit to, I know, um, when they had it rolling, it was that first drive, they would come out and punch people in the mouth, and teams were always on their back heels. And now it's like, well, we're out here. Let's, let's see what we can do. And they don't have an identity right now, which is something they've had for Cam's entire time here because it, it's been him. Yeah. And I think because, you know, you have your superstar and he's your quarterback, and when he's in the limelight and he's dealing with some of these injuries, you know, if it's a defensive tackle or a cornerback, you really just kind of move on. Uh, but because it's, it's him, we, we stay on the topic um, a little bit longer. You you played on the team on a on – a, team with a pretty bad record here mm-hmm. in Carolina. Yep. And I would imagine that you probably heard some boos yeah. that season. What's it like as a player when that when that's happening, uh, when kind of the crowd is turned on you? Your own fans have kind of turned on you a little bit. Well, I think, like we just talked about, I think there's some different kinds of boos, right? Right. we got boo types. Okay. So, Let's run know, them down. You, you have the, like, you should have went for it on fourth and inches, that boo. Sure. Right. A groaning boo. That, yeah. yeah. And then you have, you know, that, that boo that, you know, the guy has just thrown his fifth interception and he's still in the game, that boo. Right. And then you have, like, when we went 1-15, that kind of boo is just like, guys aren't showing up. Like, I'm here, I'm doing my part in the stands, but you're not showing up. Right. That kind of boo. Yeah. Um, and then I, I really feel like with that 1-15 – like I felt the pain, right? Yeah. I felt I felt the pain of the fans um, that did show up because we were not putting the product out, we were not entertaining, we weren't doing our part. So we, as players, feel like okay, from a fan's perspective, your part is to show up and support us and and help us on defense, be loud, blah blah blah. But then in return, from the fans' perspective, because I'm a fan. I'm, I've been at both home games. I'm a fan. The return part of it, as a player, we need to give our best to entertain and 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 make you want to come back, regardless of the win loss. Because we can we can play our best and still lose the game. And I feel like the fans understand that. Like, man, we gave it our best and it just wasn't our day. Um, and so I, I think that's a little bit of the difference in some of the booze, and we could probably sit here long enough and find a couple of different other types sure. of booze. But um, that one in fifteen team, it, that I felt like we we deserved that because we weren't holding up our end of the bargain. Yeah, I, I think that the crowd booing on Thursday, it was almost like an expectation boo because they have because you almost have you have this feeling that this team was supposed to this Panthers team was supposed to be contending for the Super Bowl right and they're going out and they're losing to Jameis Winston and the Bucks 
everybody kind of thought this would be, well, they lost by three to the Rams, but the Rams are the NFC champs. And now it's like, maybe it's a little bit of that setting in of like, well, maybe this team isn't exactly what we thought it is. Maybe Cam's not as healthy as we thought he was. Maybe Norv Turner is not the genius that we thought he was in week eight of last year. It's all kind of like coming together. And then, you know, Cam throws uh, another third down incompletion when, I mean, he started the game seven of eight, and then I think he was 18 of 42 the rest of the way. After And that's kind of the thing where everybody is highlighting that one scramble as the play that he got hurt on, re-aggravated it, whatever. But ultimately, for the last three quarters of the game, like he wasn't good. And I think that to kind of spin it forward, I think Kyle Allen at 100% gives you a better chance to win on Sunday than Cam Newton at 40% or whatever he whatever he's at. Whatever he was at on Thursday night, I think if Kyle Allen had been out there on Thursday night – I think they would have won that game, and I don't know if that's even that hot of a take, which is kind of crazy to think about. And I think the other thing is also think it's not doom and gloom. Yes, we're 0-2. Yes, you lost to two NFC teams. Um, I remember the year after the Super Bowl, we were 1-6. Right. 1-6. First, mean, so, first year I bought the uh, the NFL Sunday ticket, too. 1-6. Thank six. you. <laughs> Thank you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah, I remember and, that. I remember just <laughs> – and, we had, a, we had a fumble recovery out in San Francisco, and we found a way to win that game, and we went on a roll. And we almost got into the playoffs. I think we had to win our last game, maybe some help or something, and, and we, we lost it. But we, I think we finished like maybe 7-9 you know, or something. But the fact is it's not doom and gloom. Sometimes you just need a spark and you're still trying to find your identity. It's not the way that you want to start. There's been some teams that have not started well in September. I know there's been some New England teams that did not start well uh, in, in September but found their way through the year and caught fire. To me, as, as a team, starting out super hot, it's hard to keep that going the whole year. Um, having some adversity right now is not what you want, but I know those guys in that locker room, their demeanor, and they're going to keep battling – the key is you have weapons. I think your defense is still intact. I think it's, it's still a, a, a really good defense. Yeah. Um, I think on offense, you still have the weapons. Like you said about Kyle Allen, if, if he gets the nod, I feel okay with that just because I think he's got weapons around him that he doesn't have to be the big dog. And with his feet, he can maybe extend some plays to find a way to help them win that game. Yeah, and you were saying, I think, before we started about how when he takes gets all the reps in practice, it's a huge difference, right? Yeah, it's, not like- it's, the, it's the mindset. Like, it's different that if I'm a backup, and yes, I know the plays and I know the game plan, but mentally when I'm driving home, I'm not going through the plays like I'm going to be thinking if I'm getting the nod. Like, if coach says you're getting the nod, I'm looking at it with some different glasses, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, backups, they always say, hey, I'm prepared if my number's called. It's totally different than when you know that you're starting. I think, and I, I, I could be wrong, but I think that he has been told that he's getting the nod. I think we're all kind of like, it's a little bit of gamesmanship from Ron Rivera that, oh, they have to prepare for maybe Cam Newton's going to play. Um, I, I think Kyle Allen at 100%, who can run, who, who has a, you know, this guy, when he get, when he gets the lights on him, that's what happened in Week 17 last year. He maybe he doesn't he practice training camp. It's not quite the same, but when that's what they like about him, they like that poise, they like his ability. And maybe I've drank a little bit of this Kyle Allen Kool Aid, but I, I do think that he has the chance. He knows 
that if he goes out there in week three and and plays like he did in week 17 of last year, it can spin his career in a completely different direction. And then if he just goes out there and plays like a backup quarterback, and then if he goes out there and plays like a backup quarterback, at least it's still week three. Just like you said, the Panthers can go out and say, okay, well, this isn't going to work. So if Cam's going to miss significant time, whether it's two weeks, three weeks, a month, six weeks, the rest of the year, we can decide now what are we going to do with this team. The gamesmanship piece of it is uh, i understand it it's what they do it's what coaches do but 2019 cam is not difficult to prepare for i mean it he has been the most difficult quarterback for his for his career to prepare for but but not this year i mean not if he's not running not if he's not mobile so i mean i if i was a defense i'd be planning for you know the same quarterback i think this week yeah well and we haven't brought the fact too the nfc south is wide open right now with, you know, Saints, Drew Brees is going to miss considerable yeah. time. Um, I know Atlanta just won Sunday night, but they are just not a – Walker Mail said this last week when we talked about surprises from the week, and he talked about how surprised he was that Atlanta just did not look good. And honestly, I think, uh, pardon my take, nailed it on Monday when they talked about that game and they said, if you want to beat Atlanta, just let them get in the red zone and they will self-destruct themselves. Yeah. Like – you know, think about that game. It was a Julio Jones running at 20 miles per hour, by the way. How is that even humanly possible? Yeah. And Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay's beatable. Yeah. That's a game that we should have won. And again, it's week three. Would you say they missed the opportunity to win? <laughs> That's my Ron speak. Yep. My Ron speak. Speaking of Ron, let's, let's say there is no cam for a considerable amount of time, maybe the whole season. We don't know. Can... Ron and Marty survive without Cam this season? I mean, I don't think so. Unless Kyle Allen is uh, is Jake Lalone 2.0, which could happen, you know? I mean, stranger things have happened than an undrafted free agent coming in and being really good off the bench and sparking their team to go whatever. They're 0-2 right now. If if they go 6-3 and and then Cam is ready to come back at midseason, like, that certainly seems like a recipe for Mar- Ron and Marty to stay. But I think they're all kind of tied together. I mean, Ron and Cam are are a package deal. So if one is not here, I don't think the other one's going to be here either. Well, the way I look at it, you got to win five games. That's two against the Saints, two against the Falcons, and and Tampa and London. You win those five games, and and, and you get yourself back in the mix. You just got to win your division. And we saw that um, I don't know a couple of years ago, where yep. you know no one was taking their division. It came down to the last minute. That's the beauty about this league. Um, it's not the way you want to do it, but you can you can survive it. I think that with Kyle Allen, if if that's the route that the, the team went that way, um, you could you could you could win those games. But that means other people have got to step up. Other people got to step up, anyways. You know what I'm saying? Regardless, you know if Cam's there or not. Obviously, he's not a hundred percent like he was like when he was a rookie. So guys got to step up. And I think that's why you've seen Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, especially week one against the Rams, take the snaps that he's done. Um, you know, I think it's time to, to, to get, you know, your receivers, you know, wide open, like down the field or across the middle. You got to use the middle of the field. Greg Olson, I think will be pivotal in this offense because of what he can do in the middle of the field and taking pressure off the side. So I, I think that they can make some stuff happen. I think guys will not quit. It's not the demeanor of this type of team around here. 
Um, is it a little bit harder? Maybe so. But no one said it's going to be easy. And I think at the end of the day, it makes it the game that much um, better in the end if you can make something happen looking back of the adversity that you overcome. Ruck, if you're a defensive end for the Arizona Cardinals, you're Chandler Jones or whoever, what's your what's your defensive game plan against the Panthers and Kyle, uh, Kyle Allen-led Panthers team? Well, if Cam Newton is, is healthy – you're still going to be focusing on 22. And if Kyle Allen's back there, you're still going to be focused on 22. I mean, it's not – we're not rocket science. Um, yep. You know, scientists, you know, you look at the plays last year, 90% of the plays he was on the field. So when you're looking at that, like you're saying, that's the nucleus. And so as defensive coordinators, they're going to go and try to take him away, probably try to make the quarterback, regardless of who it is, throw deep and take that away and say, hey, let the chips fall where they fall. Yeah, I, I think Kyle Allen can – I mean, I think he – if you if you stack the – if you put nine guys in the box, I think Kyle Allen could beat you with yeah, his arm. absolutely. In the history of this rivalry between the Panthers and the Cardinals, the Cardinals have started worse quarterbacks in the playoffs against us. <laughs> so. Good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look back at the the Cardinals-Panthers history, it's pretty hilarious. I mean, obviously there's Cam's first game, which you're probably going to read six articles about all across the kind of Panthers media beat um, about Cam's first game in 2011 and went into Arizona and he looked unbelievable, threw that touchdown to C. Smith, kind of changed the whole franchise of the Carolina Panthers, changed their trajectory. But aside from that, you had Vinny Testaverde started in that game in in uh in arizona you had was it john skelton was that who it was yeah bone skelton yep yeah um i mean like the there has and, been and some of course the worst game that any panther has ever endured also was a against the cardinals yeah i don't i don't remember that game block that game out. oh okay yeah, that's why i'm trying not to <laughs> yeah. refer to it by name that was a game can i tell you can i take you guys back to a little apartment in denver colorado where i was watching with uh some friends of mine i had said you know Panthers, they're crushing it this year. We're going back to the Super Bowl. It's happening. I'm getting at a come on over. Let's watch it. They're favored by 13. It's going to be great. Did you cook? I did not cook, but my uh, my lady friend at the time, she prepared some some nice dips and chips, and there was a whole spread out. And I started the day, the start of the evening, drinking beers, Coors Lights. It was Denver. Then all of a sudden something happened, and then something else happened that was similar, and then a third thing of that same ilk happened, and I had to switch from beer to whiskey, and then the fifth one of those things happened, <laughs> and I th- threw my I'm not I'm not proud to say this I threw my glass of whiskey against the wall and I walked out into the backyard to to uh, calm myself and when I walked back in all of my friends had left and. <laughs> My girlfriend was sitting on the couch, like meekly, like if it was a, if it was like a TV show, she would like, that's how it looked like a completely empty house with like glass strewn and like liquid against the wall. And, uh, and she was just like, I don't know what to do. And I was just like, (laughs) I don't know what to do either. (laughs) I'll remember my, my memory from that, from that game was getting a call from a, a friend that was riding on the light rail and he was whispering on the light rail. After, because it was silent, no one was talking. No, it, that 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 game was whoo. That was a rough one. 
I think I think that's the worst night that any Panther player, from like a football standpoint, has yeah. had to individually endure. And it's why it's great that he's now in the Hall of Honor. I mean, yeah. that, not that for that, but the fact that we can still remember all the the good times. Yeah, I mean, he had a great. He was he was one of my favorite Panthers of all time. Are they going to ask him about Big Ben's? Uh, you know, Tommy John surgery. I think that, there was. I feel like I've read some articles about that. Yeah, I figured that's yeah. going to get you know, going to get some run. Any kind of closing cam thoughts? I I'm I'm worried the mis- the mystery of the injury and Cam's thought process has me worried that it may be more than just he has a sprained foot and he's going to miss Arizona. That that's 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 my thought. Now, hey, he could be out there at practice next Wednesday and be like, "Well, I'm good, guys. I'm back. Uh, it took took me a week." And then it's like, "Okay, well, we we kind of." spelled doom and gloom for nothing but i think i'm I'm just a little bit nervous the uncertainty the uncertainty is what makes you uneasy yeah and i think from from a coaching standpoint and a player standpoint the mystery um is to not necessarily tip your hand you don't want your opponents as an opponent as we're coming in and playing a team we're scouring the papers we're scouring the, the last game, their TV copies. We're trying to pick up any little thing that will give us an edge. When you look at a ball game, it's won by two or three plays. Yep. Right? Two or three plays. So when you look at, you know, Tampa Thursday night, what play was the big difference? That last play that, you know, we didn't get the first down or the touchdown, right? So if you can find something that will give you an edge that gets you one, two, three plays, done deal. That's, yeah. that's where. So I think that you're starting to see a little bit more of that mystery type. Like I'm not telling you guys because I know it can be used as something as simple as if someone's nicked up or they're not in practice or whatever, that you're starting to see it a little bit more uh, covered up. Colin, your thoughts? You look yeah. so, you're No, I, I, I've just, I'm not, I'm not ready for this, this ride to end, but it does feel like for the first time that we can, you, it does feel like we're closer to the end than, than not at this point, which um, I think we always hoped it would be a, you know, it, it would last longer. Maybe there'd be a transition, maybe be able to make himself into just a pocket quarterback. But there's so many questions right now from the accumulation of the injuries to the, is the shoulder ever going to be right? That it just feels like the guy that was the most bankable guy in Charlotte for the last decade is now no longer that guy. And it's, it's not fun. I, Jordan Rodriguez had a really great article the next day after that game where it kind of captured, like, after that fourth and one, what happened, like, the feelings of all of it. And, of course, I don't have it up in front of me, and I can't read it, so I'll pull it up later. Oh. How about that? That was a good story, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great <laughs> friend, stuff. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast, Jordan Rodriguez. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, deep dive into this week three matchup. This week on the Roaring Riot Podcast, it's all about the listeners, and there's quite a bit that they have to share. We also speak with a couple of the newest Roaring Riot chapters. We take a close look at every little letdown, cast some blame, find some light, and talk a bit of reality after the Bucks loss. How can the Panthers grab a win in the desert? How should you spend your 1 o'clock hour on Sunday? Where do babies come from? Some of these answers, a few more things to ponder, and much more is in the latest episode of the Roaring Riot Podcast, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Looking ahead to week three, we've already talked about Kyle Allen here. Let's kind of talk about who else really needs to step up in this game. I think it's defense, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like it, it's so if you're the defense, if you're Gerald McCoy, 
uh, Trey Boston, Eric Reed, James Bradbury, Luke Keekley, Shaq Thompson. You're thinking to yourself, okay, we got a backup quarterback out here. He's making a second start of all time. We're playing against a rookie who's making his third start ever in the NFL. We need to get the ball. We need to hold them under 17 points. Like, if they put up a certain number of points, what do you think, like 21 points? Like, you have to you have to do this. You have to set up Kyle Allen for success, and allowing Kyler Murray to, to run and throw all over you is not the way to get it done. Coach would always say you need to, when you go on the road, you bring your defense and your special teams. So I think for a long time, really since Michael Bates and Steve Smith, you know, back to returning plays and, you know, punts and kickoffs, Special teams has been really, really non-existent or really quiet. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I really like you know Chase Blackburn and what he's what he's been doing with the special teams. There's been you know a little here, some flashes here, some things that we haven't seen in a long time. And so I think that going on the road out to Arizona, that the special teams could be the X factor in this game. And you know that one punt return that's taken back a, a long ways and gives you that spark. So that's one thing that I'm, I'm really looking forward to is maybe watching the special teams take that next step towards where their end goal is of being a big factor. It does feel like they're not just hitting box and doing punt block or field goal block or field goal return like on Madden. It does feel like there's been it's been a more dynamic group. And, and they've even been looking, you know, you know they brought in you know, McLeod and they've been trying to find some, some answers back there. I if you call this Panthers team getting a special, I'll, I'll buy lunch on that one because that's not, because that that will be a heck of a pull. Um, I'm curious do, from what you've seen out of uh, of Kyler Murray. Do you think? Do you, as a former defensive lineman, think a guy at that size can play in this league? I think he. I think he can play. Um, will he be? You know that extra Hall of Fame type of guy. I don't think there's enough uh, tape to see that. But he's got a little edge to him. I was watching him the other night, and um, he had like a little edge to him. And I, I like a quarterback that's got a little edge to him. And he's got feet. And any time that you can extend the play, the offense of schemes have changed. So we're seeing a lot of speed to the sidelines, trying to get to the corners. And if you've got a quarterback that has got the, the, the mental capacity to extend the play with his feet as guys run downfield – that is very tough uh, for defense, i.e. Michael Vick when he came into the league. It took us three years to figure out how to stop a mobile quarterback like Michael Vick. There was no tape. There was no tape. So you're trying all these things. It was an experiment for three years until we, until we drafted Thomas Davis, and then that kind of ended that whole experiment. So um, it, makes him very, it makes it very tough on a defense when you've got a mobile quarterback. Uh, I think he's got – to me, he reminds me weirdly of Cam. Obviously, ridiculously different body. But here's a guy that when he came into the league, <coughs> there was a lot of kind of talk about. Just right in the mic is where you should cough. <laughs> um, that was Colin. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, when you came into the league, there was a, there were questions about, can this guy play in the league? Does He, he has an unorthodox style. He maybe doesn't necessarily have the body type for it. I mean, obviously Cam had the freak athlete-ness of, but a lot of people, I feel like when he was coming in the league, were like, I don't know if this doesn't look like a quarterback. And I think they said the same thing about Kyler Murray. Then you add in all the stuff about like Kyler's kind of like 
weird journey through college. His his dad is kind of like uh, an ongoing figure, and it's just it's all very reminiscent of of him coming in. And then the preseason doesn't go very well, and it's like, well, did we make a mistake with this guy drafting him number one overall? And then all of a sudden, first game of the season, he comes out and throws for more more than three hundred yards. Second game does the same thing. So I think that this guy is like on on the path to being good, but I think he's also he's a rookie. He's been sacked more than anybody else in the league. He is going to make mistakes and you just have to pounce on those mistakes. I, I just think it's, it's interesting you bring up Cam because when Cam came in the league, the, the the whole conversation was, can he play in the league being as physical as he is? And people were saying no. And now we're seeing eight years later, you know, we'll see how this journey ultimately plays out. But now we fast forward and you've got guys like Jackson and you've got Murray who are incredible passers. And one of the balls Lamar Jackson threw this weekend was just I would I'd love to have a quarterback that could do that. Um, yep. But uh, th- that th- these guys like w- there was this concern about the six foot five, two hundred fifty pounder being able to play. But then it's like we've got these two guys that are nesting dolls, smaller than Cam, and they like it's just like nope. It's gonna be. It's everything's gonna be great. I I, I want. I've, I've said before. I want these guys to do well. But I just he looks tiny on your television screen. There's a picture on Twitter um, of Kyler Murray and Greg Little standing next to each other. Apparently, they're best friends. They went to high school together. And um, yeah, it's true. Uh, it's like wait, what? It's legitimately hilarious. Like I laughed out loud looking at it. It looks like a small child talking to like a teenager. Like that's. It's not even. The difference between Greg Little is so is three times the size of Kyler Murray, and it's just I, I'm interested to see what he looks like in real life. You know, like you see him on TV, you see him, but like Cam was one of those guys where you walk in the locker room or you see him kind of walk by you, and you're like, holy crap! Like that guy does not look like a regular human being. And I'm curious whether Kyler Murray looks like that, or if you're like, is that? He's pretty short, like. Like, hey, buddy! Like, you want to just kind of like I have a question over yeah, here? Yeah. Can you see? I'm in the back row. As you talk about him, for some reason, I've pictured that we're the same height, and I have no idea why. I also think that Darren Sproles and I are the same height, and I yeah. know that we're not. But sure. in but my in, mind, we are. Yeah, of course. It's like Muggsy Bogues. Like you think of a, I don't. In my mind, it's like, well, I don't know. What is he? Five nine, five ten? Is that what Kyler is? But like. Muggsy Bogues was like five three, and you're like, oh, look at how yeah. so look at how tiny he is, and yeah. then he's he's a pro athlete. It's crazy. I, I think that I, I do think they have to be wary of him, but they just have to take advantage of those mistakes against this Arizona defense. Um, what can we expect? Kind of, do we think CMC is going to have a big game? I do. I think they are going to stack the box, and I think they are not going to be able to stop him. I think they tried to stop the Ravens last week and they allowed five and a half yards to carry 182 yards and a lot of ton of zone reads, a lot of bootlegs for Lamar. Now Lamar is probably is a better rusher than, than Kyle Allen, but I think they can still run those zone reads. And I think if you have the threat of running from Kyle Allen, I think that's really all you need. I think, I think Greg Olson, uh, you know, he had a pretty good game, you know, last week. I think that he's a nice backstop for a young quarterback you know, he's smart. He knows where to option off guys. And so that could be a nice little safety valve as Christian's going to get some attention. And I think early on, by just getting some dinks and dunks, just to build up that, that you know, continuity and, and, and feeling good being a young quarterback, I think that that's a, it's a guy that can really help you out. 
Rock, I have a question for you, and I know this has nothing to do with the cards. You played on the same defensive line with Al Wallace. Yeah. Um, and Al is a he hosts the Carolina Line right here on the Riot Network. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Great he's also arms. been a guest on. Yeah, he's. Al right. still looks like he could still go out there and play right he now. He really does. And I I say this and I ask you this question with knowing that he's not in the room. Can you tell us an embarrassing story about Al Wallace? <laughs> well, the, the only the, yes, you, you need to give me some time and leeway because the one that's in my mind is the one that we were talking about earlier about his interception. Yeah, so, of course. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the thing about I, – I don't have anything funny right off the top of my head, but okay. Al was that guy that is smart. He's a hard worker, um, and he never caused problems. Like, he was the ultimate teammate, you know. And, and that, to me, is when, when you're talking about football, you need guys that – might not be a starter, but when their name is called, they can plug right in there. Like sure. we've been talking about a Kyle Allen, you can plug them right in there, and and you keep the train going. Um, but I'll have to I'll have to text you. Give me the okay. give me the All give right. me the ride yeah. home, and okay, yeah. there's, there'll I'm, be some things that'll pop up. In I'll my add head. it in when you uh, when that's you right. Text it to that's me. right. That's uh, I didn't. Uh, if you're just gonna say positive things, I'll just I cut know. it out. I I mean, come on, <laughs> just we already know Al Wallace is a great you know? guy. Now he came. He was a principal before he. Before, before he, he got yeah, yeah. before so he like, came so to like, us. Was, did you guys know that like is that like a thing like like we got a we got a high school principal coming up yeah us? so I mean that was a story I mean we 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 would ride him on that and he would correct everybody's language and he would <laughs> correct correct the playbooks and the coaches and stuff like that but no he was everybody knew his story he was out of the game and you know he got a shot to to get back in on the team and um, and uh, he was he was part of our fabric. Why do you think we don't see that as much? Like guys, you know, taking a leap. Like you'll see it. There's a, there's a, always a handful of guys. It seems like they kind of do that. Is it just life moves on and you just got to keep? Like the know. coach of Myers Park High School, or Javian Elliott, who played Nickelback, who apparently once. Well, I guess this is pre college, but he he worked at Lids instead of uh, he like he didn't make the team, so he was just working at Lids, and then all of a sudden he he made it, and then now he plays in the NFL. To me, it, it all comes down to the scouting department and if they're lazy or are they willing to turn over all the rocks. Are they willing to turn the rocks over in a guy that might be living in Montana to a guy that might be, you know, working at Burger King or McDonald's, whatever. To me, like you said, like the, the staffs, they have these these pots where if you check this box, he's 300 pounds, he runs a 4 or 5 and he benches this. Well, anybody can do that. It's the guys that can go and say, you know what? He's got talent, yeah. right? He's got talent. No one's giving him a shot because of this and this. Let's work him out. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think the Panthers have been – I don't want to – surprisingly is not the right word for it, but they have been good at, at kind of turning over those leads. I thought – I mean, when you look at who F.A. Abata is and, yep, and the F. fact F. that he's been able to make an impact and play and, and be in – be be somebody that makes an impact as a rotation player as someone that I think they just assumed he was going to be on the practice squad and they were like no this guy's got something that, let's make it happen so I, I I think they've done it with some of the some of the linebackers but more importantly I think they've done it with the offensive line mm. I think there's been some like Norwell I mean who knew Norwell sure you know um, you know Swartz was another guy um, so they they've had some guys that you know, weren't top draft picks, but have been 
blue-collar workers that have done a really good job on the inside of the offensive line. Even Jake DeLome, who we've talked yep. about multiple times, is a – I mean, that is a guy that I don't think a lot of teams were interested in signing. I don't think there were people lining up to get Jake DeLome on their team. Well, I do think it's kind of funny. We live in the day and age now where there's thousands upon thousands of these you know draft guys. But where were the Minshew – where was the Minshew hive? Like, this is, sure. a, this is a six-round pick. This is a guy that led – this guy led the nation – in, in passing in college football, and yet I, there wasn't a big Minshew crew out of all of these these draft Knicks out there. I just think it's interesting that it still feels like the, the group think thing. People can talk about how much they try and avoid it, but it's hard, and I it, I don't know. It's just interesting that to, to, to think that we could still have these situations at that position, of all positions. Well, it happens all the time, right? I mean, you like – the Patriots drafted Jared Stidham 44 picks after Will Greer, and he's the only backup quarterback behind Tom Brady because he played so well in the preseason they didn't feel like they needed to keep a veteran. Meanwhile, Will Greer is the emergency quarterback in Carolina, and if it was Will Greer instead of Kyle Allen, I think we'd be having a whole different conversation today about who's playing quarterback on Sunday. I wanted to ask, too, your thoughts on oh. how you felt that um, Bradbury and Dante did against Godwin and Evans on Thursday. I thought Bradbury did very well against Evans. End of statement. Okay, that's... <laughs> <laughs> we'll end it right there. I was curious. I, Anybody, I mean, Ruck, you're, you, you know better than me what to look for. I mean... Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a tough position. And Absolutely. I, I think... When you kind of just – I usually look at the game as a whole and as a unit. And overall, like, I feel like we might not have gotten after the quarterback um, like we probably should have. I thought Winston, um, you know, Jameis, he, he held the ball a long time. Um, so I look at a unit, and at the end of the day, there was they, – they kept us – they kept the game close enough to where when you look at the offense and, and not putting up a ton of points, like, and you have a chance to win the game. So sometimes, like, it's 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 easy to maybe, you know, pull one guy out of that, that group niche. But it's sometimes it's hard because um, I, I was watching uh, uh, the Redskins and Josh Norman, where Josh Norman looks like, if you don't know what you're looking for, it looks like he gets beat on a long touchdown, but his safety help left him. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. if we if we judge Josh Norman on the guy he covered, it looked like he had a terrible game when maybe that's not necessarily the story because of the defensive scheme and what has been asked. So sometimes it's kind of hard to, to see that from a player's perspective because I know that there are certain times where they're asking a guy to do something that might leave you vulnerable to, to the media and to the fan base. Mm, that's fair. But I'm not saying that that's the case. Right. I'm just saying that – Sometimes I reserve a little bit of judgment until I hear the player talk or the coach talk, and then I'll be able to sift through what they're saying and how they're saying it. Say like, ah, no, that was his fault, or nope, they're protecting somebody else. It was somebody else's fault. Uh, Fun fact: Dante Jackson's first interception at LSU, Kyle Allen. How about that? Really? How's that for a fun fact? That is a fun fact. Yeah. You're just full of fun info. Who wants to play a game? Yay! We love games. <laughs> this, back by popular demand yes. from last season, your basic. <laughs> so basically, you're going to pick somebody or something that's terrible and then tell us 
Why are they basic? Mm. Do you want to give an example before you actually do your real one? Sure. I just like to hear you say it because yeah, no, no, no. I'll, I'll be happy to. So, um, hey, a uh, guy on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram who says, I don't understand why pumpkin spice lattes are out in September, and I hate people that drink pumpkin spice lattes. We get it. Pumpkin spice lattes are basic, but you're now basic for saying that they're basic. Pumpkin spice latte hater guy, you basic. Is wait a minute? Is that your impression of me? <laughs> <laughs> we know how much you love pumpkin. Yeah, I, I I care enough about you guys that I brought it for you. So that that says it all. Oh, that's true. Aww. Mm. I think he just called me. You're basic. Yeah, you're basic. <laughs> yeah, take, take basic. your free beer and stop bringing it up. <laughs> I love my pumpkin beer. Pumpkin everything. I am the epitome of basic when it comes to pumpkin. I also love pumpkin stuff. My, Mike, where do you come in on pumpkin stuff? I, I like pumpkin stuff. Okay. And we're about to come into that season where yes. it's about to be everywhere. So I'm down with that. I feel like every se- every every like September, October, we like bring up pumpkin stuff. And it's like every week we talk about it. Why couldn't they just be happy keeping just the pie? They could have just been the pie people and everybody could have liked them. But oh, you no. but you got to keep it in, you know, some people are like, "Hey, let's, you know, keep pumpkin, you know, whatever it is year round. It's got to stay in the little window and you got to leave it in See, that I box." I'll agree with. You yeah, got to leave it, it in the box. You don't need a pumpkin like a a pumpkin pot or like a pumpkin bread in like July. Right. Like I, like right. I leave that out. That's and right. we don't need everything to be pumpkin. Like I don't need pumpkin water. Please tell me that's not a thing. I just said that. But like, you know. Pumpkin white claw. Do they have one of those? I, I saw pictures, but I was hoping it was a joke. Pumpkin spice white claw. I, like if you go into, <laughs> I love Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's is like my place. But if you walk in there right now, it's literally like a pumpkin patch threw up all over the store. Like really? everything is pumpkin. And I'm probably going to try it all just, That's right. just for science and, <laughs> yeah, and whatnot course, because sure. I'm basic. You're basic. Can I give my real one? Yes. Uh, and it's kind of low-hanging fruit. but um, And I, I even hesitate to like give him any play or shade. But like when Paul Feinbaum goes on national TV and says that Cam Newton only cares about Cam Newton and this idea that because Cam dresses individually and has his own individuality and, and is clearly not playing well the first couple games of the season for someone to come out and say that cam newton is a bad teammate and a bad person and only cares about himself without doing literally an inkling of research and i get it he just wants the clicks he just wants me to mention him here on the podcast but if you're going to call out somebody for not caring when he's probably one of the most charitable people in the nfl uh, you basic i like and, that and one. this is a classic example of we need his play to be at a certain level so we can say these opinions that we can't say when his play is at a higher level. Yeah. And that's and that's the unfortunate that and that's why I mean that's why I would get it if I was a if I was an athlete that, you know, got frustrated with the coverage because the second your play isn't as good for a couple of weeks, even if there's another reason like, you know, the coaches could tell you, Oh, well this happened, this happened. It doesn't matter because the play level looks like it's come down and so now we can start firing off these opinions. I got one. Ooh, I'm excited. Uh, to all you Brads and Chads out there who all you do is defend the scooters and how these scooters get such a bad rap, you're the same people that are weaving in and out of traffic. You're going past the light rail guardrail. Like, you're the reason these conversations are being had. And when you drive, you probably don't use a turn signal, and that angers me as well. Mm. But you're basic. Mm. I was I was close. I was going to say something similar, but with all the construction going 
um, on uptown. It does not mean that pedestrians do not need to pay attention to the traffic signals. It's like, oh, well, half the road's closed. So, I mean, I could surely make it across the other half before a car was going to come through here. Just, it's, it's your life. It's your yeah. life, okay? I don't even, I care more watching you nearly getting run over, apparently, because you are so basic. <laughs> so basic how i feel like this is the second time we play the game and you messed it up both times i feel like i improved it, okay <laughs> agree to disagree he, he took it up a notch that's what it is mike you got one oh, man no pressure there's pressure there's two kind of pressures the one you apply and one you feel and mm. I'm, fe- I'm feeling okay. some pressure all right so give me the rules again uh anybody that you hate you <laughs> tell you say why you hate them and uh, and then you just finish up by saying you're basic at the end. Well, I'm going to go off the reservation a little bit and oh, okay. talk about I like it. I like it. the Miami Dolphins. Oh, I love it. All this. right, so people want to know why they're not good or why they're not producing some W's. It's because you're trading and you're letting everybody go. Yep. And that's why you're basic. Mm, I love it. So like- great. It's nice that we can have a, we can have an anti tanking discussion in this sport. Like it's like it's it's, it's in basketball. It's just a, it's the godsend. Um, but at least in football, I don't think I don't think it works because I, I because the time that you need. I understand the quick tank for a quarterback, but as far as building a culture, man, whew, no, crazy. thank you. No, That's I mean you, you are nuking whatever culture you have there. You nuke it, and then you're going to try and rebuild it. I don't think that's. I don't think it's going to work in the. Well, you got twenty-two guys on the field too. I think in the NBA you have five guys out there. So if you draft, um, LeBron, you draft one, or you're replacing twenty percent of them exactly. right away. Yeah, yeah. That's. A, I mean, that that's the reason why it could work. Um, if you were to commit to it instead of just going half hog and going trying to go forty-one and forty-one every season and letting your star player go. But at the end of the day, use your turning signal. Thank you. Use your turning signal. <laughs> yep. Use your turn signal. Help a brother out. I would like to apologize to everyone on Twitter because I I, I ranted mm. on Twitter last night because I was driving home from Firebirds and oh, Charlotte Drivers. And I, I may have said that I was going to stab the next person that does not use a turn signal. I take that back. The nicer I'm, car, I'm calmer today. The nicer car you have when you don't use your turn signal, the more I judge you. Because you're paying a whole lot more for that turn signal than I paid for mine, and mine's working just fine. So let's get yours operating too, okay? Well, you got to save your turn signal and for the lights. It only has so many dings in it. Yeah. So if you just keep using it, the you fluid, can't turn the fluid's left after low. a while. Yeah, absolutely. That is true. Mike, uh, do you want people to find you on the Twitters? <laughs> I, you know, I, I have I have not been on Twitter very much. I have the handle. I'll pop in there, you know, li- reading some articles or someone, you know, supporting somebody. But, you know, it it gets just like you said, it gets back and forth. I just I just don't have time. I get I just it. Just have time. I'd rather look at a picture or two, hit a hit a love button or something, and keep it moving. I like it. I like it. Josh loves to be found on all of these social media. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Klein Rules and. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Tell me who you think is basic. Oh, I like that. Somebody will. Colin? At Colin CLT on Twitter. All right. Anybody have any final closing thoughts before we shut how's this Nebra- thing down? How's the Nebraska team look this year? We're above 500. Okay. All right. You know what I'm saying? Hence. Pretty long pause on that <laughs> one, Rug. I don't know if there are any national championships coming this year. I, I will say, I, um, you know, Scott Frost's second season, um, I feel like he's 
made it very clear when he was hired. He said, it's going to get worse before it gets better, as we saw last season. I think the media hype that went into Nebraska, and especially Adrian Martinez at the beginning of the year, kind of set them up and got in their heads a little bit, I think. Um, They should have won that Colorado game. If that game was played in Lincoln, they win that Colorado game. I wish the years would have been reversed, whatever. I still think they have a chance to make a run and make it to that Big Ten championship. I, yeah. I like what I see so far. I know. And we, we've got a great coach, Scott Frost. Yeah. Uh, no, man. You know, you, you, I think when he was out west, you didn't get to see him as much. But when he was at UCF, I think that kind of took the national stage. So you saw what kind of person he was. And uh, anytime you have a person like that at the helm of your operations, there's going to be some good things ahead. And this weekend possibly could be the 900th win for the Nebraska program. There's three schools that have a shot at that right now. So go Big Red. Yeah, and I yeah. guess good luck to the others, whatever. <laughs> North yeah, Carolina yeah. is not one of the three schools. Come on and raise up. You're wondering. <laughs> wondering. This has been One Day Contract, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Mike Rucker, your one day contract is up. Go Big Red. See you go all next red. week.